Hey Warriors and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. Um, I do actually have some good news for you all. The IRS has come through with the tax exempt. Um, so now we're in the process of working with the foundation and getting the grant to the church. So pray that all of that goes well and, and quickly and and then we can kind of move into the next stage which is kind of figuring out how to get my salary from it and do everything correctly so that way um, we can start looking into moving and we just need prayer over that um, direction on that um, I do thank all everybody who's been supporting us whether it's through prayer or even funding the podcast uh, we do actually have a new supporter Jody who's a good friend of mine um, she actually put a dollar in even though this is for guys um, she She's an awesome person and I appreciate it. But anyway, I just want you guys to know that, you know, it came a lot earlier than we expected. So that, that tells us that God's really kind of showing his hand involved and, and, and kind of pushing through things for us. And that's an awesome thing. So thank you very much for, uh, your prayers, especially it's, it's been really good anyway. So this week, um, I'm kind of taking on a little bit of the kind of we've been talking about forgiveness for the past couple of weeks, but this is more of talking about the issue or battles that we go through in life. A lot of times we think people kind of come after us, you know, um, the better way to describe it is like we go through battles, we go through situations, we have things that happen where people don't have the best interest in us for us and care for us. You know, I'm not necessarily talking about like whether you were abused or you had things happen to you when you were younger. I'm just talking about as you grow, there's going to be times where people are going to come into your life and you think that they care about you in the way that you were hoping that they care about you. But in reality, sometimes people have agendas and sometimes it happens at work. It can happen at school. It can happen in, a, in your church. It can happen in, in the organizations that you're a part of or groups that you're a part of. But a lot of times people, sometimes you don't know what's going on in their hearts. And you know that there is a past story. So the story we're going to be talking about is actually the story of Absalom. And if you know who he is, he is one of the sons of David. I believe the third one. And Absalom, though the main story part that we're going to talk about is not necessarily the reason why it's happening, but if you were to go a little bit further into the storyline of Second Samuel, I believe it's 15, is where it talks about Absalom's conspiracy. But if you were to go a couple chapters before, you're going to discover where this... I guess you could say hate or disgruntled feelings that Absalom has comes from. Um, I don't want to get into that as much, but one, the main just is that another son of David uh, raped Absalom's sister and Absalom was angry for about two years. And I, I do believe that David should have dealt with it, which he did not, in my opinion, deal with it like he should have and so hate does spur up consequences and so Absalom killed that brother 
uh, through a dinner, making him drunk, and then he had his servants kill him. And so, in result, he fled. So, the thing is, I, I think more of what I want to talk about is that sometimes decisions that we make may affect other people and therefore can create consequences. I am not excusing Absalom's choices that he makes after that point. But I am also wanting you to see by David's not interfering like he should have as the dad, as the king in this situation did create a consequence with his son's choices for the future. But it also shows if you don't deal with your issues properly and do it in your own way and do it the way you think it should be done can cause consequences for the future as well. So basically after Absalom flees, eventually David brings him back, but he doesn't see him for like two years. So he's living in Jerusalem but doesn't actually go visit his son at, at all. And so he kind of gets confronted in chapter 14 about um, not really dealing with his son, even though he should have through a servant who's also um, there for kind of another reason, but she, really she's just sharing a story to kind of tell David that he should reach out to his son. And it's through one of David's servants, who is Joab, who um, basically becomes a major general to David. And so David says, okay, fine, he can come back, but, or like, basically he can, he'll talk to him. But in that process of talking, Absalom has also been basically creating his own future, what he thinks should be happening. So, beginning of the concept of what's going on in the story, Absalom is starting to notice that he's kind of gaining some type of a reputation. He is starting to get noticed by people of the country, and he's also gaining support, basically. But one of the things that he was doing to gain the support was that he was hanging around the city, you know, gates where uh, near David was having his meetings with people. And every time he saw somebody who, and this is like in verse one, or no, verse two and second Samuel 15, Basically, Absalom would call out to him, and these are people when when any man had dispute to come before the king for judgment, he would sit outside and, and kind of hey, say, hey, come here for a second. He goes, from what city are you from? And when he said, oh, your servant is, uh, is of such and such of tribe in Israel. So Absalom would say to him, see, your claims are good and right, but there is no one designated by the king to hear you. And then Absalom would say, oh, that I were judge in the land, then every man with a dispute or cause might come to me and I would give him justice. And whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. 
Thus Absalom did to all of Israel who came to to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of men of Israel. So he was starting to use, kind of hype himself up, get himself noticed, and reach out to these guys and say, hey, you know, if I was king, you know, I would take care of you guys. I would listen to everything you had to say. I would make the time for you. And he did this for four years. As in verse seven, it says at the end of the uh, end of four years, Absalom said to the king, please let me go pay my vow, which I have vowed to the Lord in Hebron. For your servant vowed a vow while I lived at Geshir in Aram, saying, if the Lord will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will offer worship to the Lord. The king said to him, go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent secret messengers. Now, remind you know, it's the word of secret messengers throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then say Absalom is king at Hebron. With Absalom went 200 men from Jerusalem who were invited guests and they went into in their innocence and knew nothing. And while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for and I'm going to butcher this guy's name, was Ahithophel, the Gileanite, David's counselor, from his city, Gilo. And the conspiracy grew strong, and people of Absalom kept increasing. See, one of the things about people, and sometimes when people have issue, and there are situations going on in your life, and there's moments in your in, in time where you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. There's not always going to be everybody that's going to side or work with you. And a lot of times this fits more in a category of ministry and pastors. I've seen it more often in churches where you have a pastor who's doing what they're supposed to be doing as the pastor of the church, but then you have some people who don't like the speed, don't like the method, don't like how it looks, it does or they just they just excuse me, they just don't think the pastor is caught up, that he's behind, or he's not seeing things the way that they're seeing it. So they kind of start making whispers and they start implying things or they start noticing things. And now I know this kind of fits into kind of the wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, view, um, which actually a lot of times a lot of these people are wolves. Um, a lot of times these are can be false teachers who are really interested in gaining power and prestige and influence, and they want that feeling of being important to people. Because if you notice that you know Absalom really focused on trying to build people around him. So one of the things about, um, I would actually say probably about progressive Christianity is that a lot of times people who really focus on the progressive movement try to build a, a collective of people around their view. And I've kind of noticed this, like if you ever, if you still guys still haven't gotten the book by Alyssa Childers, uh, another gospel with a question mark. Um, she kind of mentions that she is part of 
a church after she's kind of settled down. She's more focused on her family. She's been going to his church. This pastor invited her to this big group where they're having supposedly Bible discussions. Um, it's not exactly what she thought it was going to be about, but one of the things I noticed in the conversation as she was sharing is that there was people in this group who only saw what this pastor saw in the scripture. And then there was her, and I'm sure there was probably other people, but they're probably a little intimidated because most of the people in the group were just agreeing with the pastor, but she was pointing out in her mind that this doesn't feel right. The Holy Spirit's not saying this, is, this doesn't sound right. The scriptures aren't adding up. And so she didn't really know how to confront this pastor because she didn't have the information. So a lot of times, I know this is a little bit different than what's kind of going on right now, but the, the, a lot of times why we struggle and why we're so easily influenced to follow someone like an Absalom is because we don't have understanding of scripture. You see, Alyssa knew that there was something not right, but she didn't understand why it was wrong because she had not really studied on this and, and, and got herself in depth around the scriptures where now, if you were to have her go back to being who she was who she is today and go back to who she was back then and bring the knowledge that she has now to that time, she'd be able to speak up and, and point out things and things might be a little bit different. But see, the thing is people like an Absalom, they don't want to directly put it in front of your face that they have issue. And so they use people around them, especially people, because you got to understand the person that he pointed out to uh, the counselor of his dad, Ahithophel, he actually went after him because he knew if he could get someone with that type of authority to support him, it would make it easier for him for what was about to happen, which is his attempt to try to take over the kingdom. Now, I don't expect you guys to run into the situation at all but you might see it in action like i said you might see this more often in a church than you would at your business but then again you might see it at your job where someone gets into management and starts trying to push out certain people out of the company so that they could take over it and control the situation because they think they know better and i don't mean like a hostile takeover and i don't necessarily mean someone who has money and buys your company. I'm talking like someone who thinks they have the knowledge and understanding that can outplay the CEO of the company. And so they use their prestige and their, their, their connections, the people that they are around to influence enough to get that guy out so they can take the company. And then suddenly now your company is looking really ragged you know, a good example of seeing what happens when um, the original owner is gone, whether it's through death or out, is like Sears and Walmart. The changes that you've seen is Sears is almost dead, for one. It's a dying, basically a dead company that's barely breathing. And then you have someone like Walmart that went from what it originally was planned for to the direction that it's become. 
See, a lot of times situations like this will happen and they will totally transform the atmosphere of where you're at. And in churches, it's highly possible, you know, because there is that motivation to try to get rid of the old school leadership because they don't understand things. Now, I do have my concerns about old school leadership is sometimes they're so stuck in the past that they have no desire to change. But I am talking about people that don't have the insight of scripture and why they're doing what they're doing, but they just want to have that leadership and control. They want that possibility to, to change. I've been in an interviewing process of a job before where it was very weird, but the pastor kept on telling me, because it was for a youth pastor job, uh, kept telling me, you, you need to be loyal to me. You need to trust you know me. You need to not listen to the other people. And, you know, you, if you're going to be here, you know, you got to, you got to trust me. You got to, you got to make sure you're on my side. And I was just like, I kept thinking to myself, like, why does he keep repeating this over and over again? I don't understand. Until I actually went out there is the same thing. Every time it was just him and I, he would make that same concept statement. And I just kept sitting there. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. But as I got to get to new people i kind of noticed this type of feeling that was going on it was red flags they were like you know i made the suggestion that we also should probably make a small bible study for the young adults who have graduated and he didn't want me to do that he wanted me to focus on just the youth group and i said no i get that i'm just saying i think it's important though we gotta give them something because they can't just sit there and get lost he goes, well, right now I want you to focus. If you're going to get this job, you need to focus on this. And I said, okay. Well, I had a bunch of parents come to me and like, if you want to do this, we'll get behind you. We'll, we'll support you on this. And I said, I thought to myself, like, this, that's not what the pastor wants. Is something not right about this. You see, people will use their, their experience and they'll get behind someone they think that could be a better suit for what they want. And I felt that after I did my sermon on Sunday... Uh, it was part of my interview process. I had this one guy come up to me and be like, where's that Dito? Where's that Dito? Uh, I got to shake his hand. You know, he's, he did such an awesome job in that sermon. It was such an amazing sermon. Oh man. It's so, it was, and he was like saying this out loud in front of everybody that was in this fellowship hall. And we were like going to have lunch. And he like went up to me, shook my hand. He's like, it was such a good sermon. And I was just there. I'm like, what? And I was like, like it wasn't anything fantastic. In fact, I was terrified, um, but it was kind of funny because I was actually talking about progressive Christians. Um, so it was kind of ironic that, that like this kind of stuff was going on. Um, so the thing is that, that this stuff is real and it does happen and it could be going on in your church. And this is not a good thing. You know, going in secrets, working in the, in the background to try to convince people to oust out a leader who God has called. Because you remember, his dad was called to be king. He was not called by God. So a lot of times, you got to remember, sometimes people are called to do something, and just because they don't do it the way you think it should be done does not necessarily mean that they're not doing it right. I want you guys to really think about that as we take a quick break and I'll see you in a moment.
Hey, Warriors, and welcome back. Um, we've been talking about Absalom, and I, I just kind of left you guys with the thought of thinking about the fact that sometimes people are called to be doing something in a specific way, and you need to be careful that you're not going against it because you think is right versus what God thinks it should be. See, after... After this happens and Absalom is working on this, David flees because he hears that the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. In fact, what it is talking about is like supporting him. So instead of basically seeing like all of Israel go and kill his family and people and his followers that are, are loyal to him, he flees to pull back. And we know that David has done this before. But the men that follow and the people that are following him, you know, these are people that are either weathered soldiers and men who know that he is called. See, the thing is, we got to understand is that sometimes you will find out who really trusts you and believe in you are the people when things get rough will be by your side because they see God's movement or move in you. And support you on that. Because you're always going to have those naysayers that are going to point out and say, oh, you're not called. Oh, no, you're not really. You're not supposed to be doing this. Like, you know, I people could do this better than you. And, and they're always going to put you down because they're not being biblical with you. They are being personal against you. And so as David is fleeing, once again, you have, you know, Absalom, he eventually walks in and kind of makes make his Jerusalem his home he's basically he's taking on the idea that he is now king and David is running not necessarily from his life but he's he's kind of taking a step back which you know we can look at when things are getting like this sometimes it may be good for you to take a step back and that means even if someone has hurt you, harmed you, or done th- bad things to you, or people are coming after you and you're not understanding, take a step back, seek God out, let him, let him show you things that need to be seen. Because sometimes, and I think I even mentioned this last week, sometimes taking it back from a situation. So if someone feels or does something wrong to you and they they want your forgiveness you forgive them but then they're trying to force reconciliation sometimes separating yourself from the person um, for a time may be better than actually instantaneous reconciliation because that person still has things that they have done and there is consequences okay but sometimes in hardships and problems that come up to you and you see people that are coming against you Sometimes it's good for you to take a step back and allow God to reveal to you what you need to see instead of a lot of times, because in this situation, David had every right, if he wanted to, to arrest his son, put him in jail, or even execute him for treason, because that's basically what's going on here. But why didn't he do that? Well, one, it's a son. He loves him. But two... Sometimes in situations like this, going after the person directly will actually look worse on you than what that person has done. And sometimes you may have to deal with that person in time 
by taking a step back. Because they need to be revealed of who they truly are trying to be or what they're trying to do that may be hidden because people don't see it. Because a lot of times what people see is the mask or the masquerading of this person's character and who they really are until they are put in a situation when they are told they shouldn't be doing it or doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing and that is revealed and then those people who are super loyal start noticing there's something not right that's why with wolves in the church or wolves in life a lot of times they build up this this pack mentality with people, getting them and promising them, getting people they 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 are like, I'll give you this, I'll give you this, I'll give you this. And I remember, you know, Absalom promised all of these people that he'd give them ear, that he'd be there, that he would rule in a way that you know they can have this one-on-one time that they will not get with David. You know, David just seems like he's just too busy. He doesn't have time to deal with you or he doesn't want to deal with you guys. You see, the thing is, it's so easy to influence people when you promise them stuff. We see it all the time in in politics where a politician promises something and they don't do it. And this is a very common thing. You know, it's not like it's secret. I mean, there's only been so far one president in my lifetime who's basically almost done everything that he said he's going to be done and then was called a monster and evil but hey what do we know um but the thing is that david was called by god to be into the position that he was in and now all these people who are going against him are jumping on the bandwagon of someone who has a lot of promise you see i've actually seen this where someone who's done such a thing and in reality because the appearance seems like they did do all that they said they were going to do the fruit didn't and their choices didn't and consequences eventually came as time went you see eventually what happens is that Absalom asks advice from the counselor who decides that one tells him to go basically sleep with David's concubines to prove his manhood in some ways. So he does it and he does it in front of all of Israel to show, Hey, I've won, which is one counsel. Good counsel will not have you do bad things. Okay. Two, a loyal friend of david hushai i think or husha um he said that he would stay loyal to the king which i thought was kind of interesting because i don't know if he was saying it to absalom because he he said he'll serve him as he served his father but i think in some regards he was saying that he's still loyal to david so he kind of hid in in the leadership of Absalom to try to kind of keep be eyes and ears for David in many ways. So um, after that point, Ahithophel decided to give 
quote-unquote advice to Absalom. He said, and this is in chapter 17 now, you guys can read through all the storyline to get all the little details. Uh, but we're now in chapter 17. It says, Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and I and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged and throw him into panic, and all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down only the king, and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes home to her husband. You seek the life of only one man, and all the people will be at peace. And the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom and all the elders of Israel. So now, not only is he, this guy kind of to me is also, it's interesting, he's kind of like a wolf in his clothing, and then Absalom is kind of like a false teacher in this scenario. So he's falsifying his appearance of being the right king, but he's not. And two, Ahithophel is actually basically tearing up things you know he's destroying things so the interesting part is and this is where you know god intervenes you know absalom could have just said yeah sure this is a great idea and just did that right but then he said in verse five um call hushai or husha the archite also and let us hear what he has to say so when hushai or Husha came to Absalom and said to him, thus, this is what, you know, so-and-so says, what do you think? And to make it short, because it's a really long conversation, he basically says to him, I don't think you should do this. This is not right. You know, he is a man of mighty, you know, like a valiant man. He's part of, you know, he has his mighty men. These guys are weathered soldiers. These guys have fought together. These guys have done all this stuff. And you doing this, it's going to look bad on you because eventually what's going to happen is that they're, you know, the men that you send, they're going to lose, they're going to die, and it's going to look bad on you. And it was just really interesting that he says all this and absolutely decides to do what he thought. So absolutely instead of taking the advice he still jumped on the Hithophel challenge or advice and so he does send the, like this group that plan to do this but Husha decides to let the priests know that are I guess still loyal to David in many ways who reached out to a couple of men of David who were Jonathan and he Maez and they told them about what was going to happen and so Though a young man saw them, they were able to hide. They were not able to find these two servants of David. And those two servants, David told David, and David was able to remove himself from that positioning that was supposedly set up. So the truth is that David wasn't distraught in that way. And it was not like he was weak or whatever. He was pretty much set up. And so he moves his people and his men and, and they cross across the Jordan and Ahithophel finds that his plan it doesn't work and it's really interesting in verse 23 he saw that his counsel was not followed he saddled his donkey and went off home to his own city and he set his house in order and hanged himself and he died and was buried in the tomb of his father so I mean that that is what he chose to do and that's very interesting um 
So Absalom still takes his 12,000 12, men. He crosses the Jordan and he's going to pick a fight with his dad. So outright, you know, David has every right, if he really wanted to, to actually go and kill his son for for treason, like I told you. But instead, he tells his men, he splits them into three leaderships. Um, he gives one to Joab. He gives one to, uh, let's see, we're, we're in now chapter 18. David set, and verse 2, and David set out the army, one-third under command of Joab, one-third under the command of Abisha, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and then the third one under the command of Itay, or Itay. I don't know how to say their names. Sorry. But anyway, so basically what happens is Absalom tries to fight. Um, basically 20,000, actually Absalom takes 20,000 men in this case, loses, runs off, gets his hair cut off, stuck in a tree. And one of the deals that David said is that don't harm my son. But instead, Joab decides that he wants to punish Absalom, so he actually spears him while he's in a tree, and other men stabbed him until he was dead. And so, though they go and tell David kind of what happens, um, he knows that his son is dead. So the idea is that a lot of times what's going to happen in, in our lives is that even though people have wrong want to wrong us and that there's bad things that happen to us, the things that we struggle, that we, we have this issue that we want fair justice for what has happened to us. But the truth is God is still doing things that we may not see towards people who have wronged us. And though their, their intention was to harm our character, to harm, you know, our family, to make us look like we are not doing what God has asked us to do or that we're not capable of doing it does not mean that God is not going to deal with them. And sadly, though David did not deal with his other son's wrong and Absalom decided that he needed to basically become boss because he could do things right, there is a consequence that comes later where Absalom is basically betraying his dad and then is eventually killed for what he has done and then too, David mourns over him. You know, it's, it's, it's sad to see your choices. He not only lost one son, he lost two. At the end of all this. And we need to understand that we got to be careful when we make choices. As much as we want to see justice for things. As much as we don't want to be hurt or we want to fight back. We want to be able to say what we need to say. Sometimes if we focus on God, God's going to give us the right time to speak. He will open up the doors for us to say what we need to say. He will deal with the people in his time. Because there's things he needs to put into place to get things done the way he needs it done for his plan and for his will. And though we want it now in the moment that we want it, doesn't mean it's right for us to do it. Just because we are being blessed by God, it doesn't mean it's right for us to do wrong to make something right. There's been times where I've wanted to say something about stuff that has happened to me to the people who wronged me straight up. But God is saying, it is my battle, not yours to worry anymore. Just focus on the new blessing that I have given you. <clears throat> and that's planning this church. I'm excited. And I know 
that God is blessing it and that he's going to allow me to be able to focus on that. And I don't have to worry about the problem that had happened to me a couple of years ago because God is dealing, dealing with it in his own way. And that's what my challenge is for you guys for this week is to really think about, are you seeking out wanting justice? Or are you wanting revenge and, and are you wanting to fix the problem in your own way? Or are you allowing God to do it? Because a lot of times when he does it, it's done in a way that's different. And though Absalom did what he did, God still punished Absalom for, for the actions that he was involved in to cause harm to someone that he has put in leadership. Because it wasn't the best for Israel, and sadly, his life had to be taken for it. So reflect on your own life. Make sure that you are walking with God and not trying to do things on your own for solving these issues and problems and battles that you're going through so that you have a better understanding of what it means to be, I guess you could say, a leader for the Lord, being a warrior for the Lord, being someone who is listening to the Lord. I honestly think David was called a man after God's own heart because he sought out God daily for his direction, his leading, and for his understanding. Because he knew he needed that wisdom. He knew he couldn't do it on his own. And that's something we need to challenge ourselves this week. Ask for wisdom. Ask for direction. If you're going through a hard time right now and you're dealing with stuff like this. And you have someone who's coming after you like a wolf. And it just seems to be coming after your character. Even whether it's at work or it's at you know friendships. Or whether it's at church or a program or group that you're a part of. Seek out God's wisdom in it. And if you're getting counsel, make sure it's biblical and not selfish or personal or uh, revengeful. Because that's not good counsel if they're telling you to harm another person to get revenge or get right or get the justice you want. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask that you move in these men's heart or even the women that are listening, that they may seek out your wisdom and understanding so that you make good choices for themselves and not make choices that are selfish and out of anger out of hate out of revenge that they understand that you have a plan for them and that you know that there's been people who have hurt them and harmed them but at the end you are fighting their war and all they have to do is just serve you obey you and trust in you i pray this in jesus name amen you guys have a blessed week and i'll see you next time